This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome back to A Word in Season. On today's episode, we will be joining Doug Stringer at Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, California, where he shared a powerful and timely word for this season. The nations are being shaken across the earth like never before. As you listen today, be reminded, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's listen in as Doug explains why the future is now. Something that is similar to what we're experiencing even now in the first century church because when Jesus prophesied in Luke 21 about the scattering and the diaspora and the, and the destruction of Jerusalem and all these things that happened in 70, 70 A.D. or some call C.E. but we would say 70 A.D. about 40 years after Jesus' resurrection we see that Josephus, the Jewish historian made an observation before the desecration and the destruction of Solomon's temple, the second temple, and the dispersion and the destruction of Jerusalem amongst families in Israel. There was deep division about political and spiritual things. And they were so divided, there was even vandalism, there was fighting, there was infighting, there was, there was burglaries, there was things going on in the climate of the moment that caused the so-called, well I would say the church today to be so divided about infighting, about things and letting the external voices dictate to us who we are rather than fixing our eyes on the Zoe. That that's when the Roman Empire came in, in their imbalance to take over. And the temple was desecrated and destroyed. What is happening today we see in the book of Jude. When the book of Jude reminds us we have to be spiritually ready for battle. Because there would be an increase of apostasy, increase of false teachers and teaching, to the point that there would also be a disrespect for God's house, his church, and a disrespect for God's name. And we are living in that moment. A few, I wrote an article probably eight years ago for Charisma called Are We Spiritually Prepared for the Days Ahead? And I go back and I sometimes have to read some of the things I spoke about or wrote about or, and published and have to go back and listen and reread going, God, you were speaking and I was sharing, but I didn't get the depth and the breadth of what you're really trying to say until now because the future is now. And so we are living in a moment, I believe, in a spiritual context where there's a direct assault on God and God's church. Yet the only hope for the world today is God's church. But it's not the Bethel or the Bethel, but it's the El Bethel. We need to invite El back in the house. Because if we try to do it with ideology or the ideologues of the day, because ideologues at every extreme only care more about their ideas and their personal preferences they do about the people they say they care about. But the one that cares for us and will never leave us nor forsake us is Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the Zoe of God. So from Genesis to Revelation, Zoe, Zoe, 
We need the divine manifest presence of God. We need to fix our eyes on his presence, fix our eyes on him, because without his presence, everything we do and all of our efforts, all even our good works, our dead works, without the manifest presence of God. And his name is Jesus. Because the world will even do like they did in the book of Acts with the disciples saying, you know, you can do what you do, but just don't use that name. But we know there's no name on heaven and earth that can save, heal, liberate, deliver, but the name of Jesus. Now, now watch this. So when we walk in that relationship alignment, as we're aligned with the Zoe of God, with, we're aligned with the divine presence of God, that everything we do is not filtered through personal preference or opinions, but it's all the process through this focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the, the Zoe of God, the Zoe of God, the life of God, the divine presence of God. Then with that kind of relationship equity, because when we have a relationship with Jesus, he gives us all authority that was given to him on heaven and earth to now speak into the seen and unseen realm in the natural realm. We see that in Ephesians 3.20. says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all we bubbly, think or ask or imagine according to the power that works where? In us. And then it says in another scripture, it says that it's God's intention to take that same authority to give it to and through the church for the manifold wisdom and the inferences power of God into the seen and unseen realms. It's God's intention to give his commissioning, his authority, his presence to those aligned with him who fix their eyes on the tree of life, the Zoe of God, the Zoe of God. So that... It's not robbery to take that commission and the authority that God imparts to us to now look at Ezekiel 37. Look at Acts chapter 20. Acts 20 is when Eutychus was on the third floor listening to Paul. He falls down. He falls asleep listening to the word of God. How many in the church today, and I'm not speaking to us, I'm speaking in a general context, how many of us have been lulled to sleep even under great worship, under the word, we've allowed the world to begin to dumb us down to where we, we want to believe what the world says rather than what God has given us and God says. So even in the church, listening to the word of God, he falls asleep and falls to his death. Paul goes down and here's what he does. Just like in Ezekiel 37, prophesy to the dry bones. Prophesy the breath of God, the Zao. See, the Zoe is the divine presence. Zao is the authority God gives us to prophesy the breath of God. For those aligned with God. And so when he falls down, he goes and speaks over him and he prophesies the Zao. The breath of God back into him, and he goes back and begins to preach the word again. Well, we need to do two things, I believe, is we as God's believers need to speak and say, God, where in me have I become untethered? God, help me where I've allowed the voices and the noise pollution around me, the influences of the world to get me focused off the tree of life onto the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God, help me to get my focus back on you. Not live by my personal preferences. Yes, I'm 
I was born in, and I speak at reconciliation things and been doing quite a few Zoom calls and, and all the things that we've seen, there's, there are some broken sisters that we need to see fixed. But the answer will never happen. And reformation will never last or change without we, the church, understanding that it can't be done through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It can only come through the place of the presence of God. And though I'm, I, I'm, I, you know, I like eating Japanese food, I like Chinese food, I, I like Malaysian food, I like all kinds of Asian food. My first commitment is not to those who happen to say they're Japanese first. Or to even Japanese Americans. Or you notice how we get lumped into groups trying to create division that now we're Asian American. Or African American. Or Latin American, Hispanic American. We get all these lumps when God says that you are one blood of many nations. Now, does that mean that I, I, don't, I don't cherish my heritage? Yes, I, I love to learn about it. But my commitment, Jesus said, are to those who do the will of the Father. One blood from every nation. Dividing walls put down one new man, the corporate body. And Jesus said in Luke 21, when all the, the signs of the times, the distress of nations with perplexity, men's hearts failing them because of the fear, we see an overwhelming sense of fear and anxiety, an increase in depression and suicides. People are overwhelmed by what's going on today, not just with the pandemic, but other things that are happening. Nefarious, diabolical powers that be trying to use the moment of the pandemic to create their own areas of control. And once there is control, you never get it back. How many times have you ever seen a pay toll somewhere and the local government says, we're going to have it as a pay toll until it pays itself off. But they never ever take the pay toll away because they're getting more and more from us. They say they're going to do something, but they never do. Once they get control, they'll always take it. I've had the pleasure of working with many underground churches in Iran and on the border there, meeting with some of the leaders over the years and, and of course, other countries. And it's interesting to me when we look at the, 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 the revolution by university students and young people back in Iran in the 1970s, now you see a whole new generation of young people wanting to get out of that control. But once you've given up control, it's hard to ever get back your freedom. And that's why it's so important to stand with leaders like Pastor Che and others. Look. We don't criticize those who are not ready to open. That's not our thing to do. But let us not be criticized for wanting to stand for everyone becomes beneficiaries when the righteous take a stand. So Luke 21, it says, all these things that happen, the distress of nations, we see that happening. We see the nations are raging in Romans 2, we see that happening. We see all, everything be shaken in Hebrews 12, we see that happening. We see all these, the earth is groaning in Romans, all these things are happening. But here's the reality. And this is my person, this is not, I'm not trying to give you some sort of exegological, you know, kind of breakdown of Luke 21, but I see this as a, a dual prophecies. One, the initial destruction of Jerusalem, the scattering of the diaspora, which we still see now being lived out, and the budding of the fig tree was really in the 1917, that's when the regathering began, when Balfour Declaration, that land of Palestine, that Israel should be able to come back to their homeland. But that happened from the 70 AD to about 110, 120 AD. 
And they never responded. They were being persecuted all over the world. And so in 1917, with Balfour Declaration, it was an encouragement to come home. And then we see, in 1948, the official establishment of Israel is a state again. Not that it would become a state. It is now coming back to what belonged to them in the first place. And then we see the Six-Day War. We see all these things. We're living in a moment where we're seeing Luke 21 being lived out. But here's what it says. It says, come a time where pandemics would happen. That there would be kingdom against kingdom. We see that happening. Spiritually and naturally. We see nations against each other. Then it says, nation against nation. As you know, and I'm sure Pastor Chase taught you, that means ethnos. Race against race. So in the world, we see these things happening. But it should not be so in the church. Because the church is every nation as one blood. So the only way there is going to be hope in this nation or in the nations of the world is when the church has a heart awakening, awakens from our sleep, gets the breath of God back in us, and recognize this Leonard Raven, he wrote me a note, he was like a spiritual granddad, he said, my dear brother Doug, let others live on the raw edge or the cutting edge, you and I should live on the edge of eternity. And every day I just remind myself, God, regardless of what goes on around me, God, there's an eternity right before me. And there's many others that don't know you. Help me, Lord, to be available to you and to walk in simple obedience to you, which is my highest form of worship to you. But I can't do that in my own strength, my own opinions, my preferences, my uh, political, whatever it may be. We all have opinions. We all have preferences. But we need to bring those preferences to the work of the cross, the centrality of the cross. Because at the centrality of the cross, which is the tree of life, we build a foundation that is unshakable. So Luke 21, in the midst of pandemics and race against race and and earthquakes and fires and all these things. And I'm involved and we're still involved every day trying to get resources to, to Beirut right now and to other things that we're still involved in. And seeing the body of Christ when you don't have enough in your perception. We, well, how can I help? The needs are too big. God never asks us to give what we don't have. He asked to offer what you do have. Quit looking, says, at how big the feeding of the 5,000 men, not even counting women and children, could be 15, 20, some thousand people. He didn't say to the disciples, oh, do we have enough to feed them? He said, you feed them. And the first thing the disciples said was, how can we feed all these people? We only have a few fishes and loaves by some kid's lunch. Jesus didn't ask him about that. You take what you have, offer in thanksgiving, and look how it multiplied, and you take back more than enough. You start with who you are, what you have. Give who you are, your time, your talent, your resources on the altar of God. Then the fire of God consumes the sacrifice on the altar and the glory fills the temple. In the middle of all these things going on, Jesus says something. He speaks directly to the church. In the middle of all the pandemics, the nations raging, the distress of nations with perplexity and people's hearts failing them from fear, in the midst of, of all these different crises that are going on, racial tensions, divisions. In chapter 21, verse 13, Jesus simply says, but it shall be an occasion or an opportunity for your testimony. 
God is saying, don't waste the money. You know, we hear pundits in the, in the second community, economic, you know, uh, crisis is a terrible thing to waste. You know, that's not something new. Jesus was saying, look, don't let anything happen without you taking a moment. We'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Let that invade the circumstance. How can we do that if we're hiding in our holy huddles? How can we do that if we're trying to run off to the mountains somewhere? And you know, we've seen that happen over the years. Have we go run off to the mountains and, get, and find your little cave somewhere? We, this is our moment. Eternity is before us. People's lives are at stake. We have an opportunity for our testimony. And the time for the testimony is not down the road. It's now. The future is now. That doesn't mean we don't use wisdom. We don't ask God for giving us guidance and wisdom to serve. We need those things. We, you know, we don't want to live by presumption. We live by faith. Amen. One of the five sins of the wilderness in 1 Corinthians 10, why they didn't enter the promised land was tempting Christ. It's that living by presumption rather than living by faith. Saying that we're Christians but we aren't aligned with Christ and we're looking to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of life. But just like in Ezekiel 37 and Acts 20, this is our moment. And if God is speaking to us that we have his authority because we have the Zoe of God, the presence of God, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, then Ezekiel 37, where we have to get dry bones coming together. God's shaking everything up to get the dry bones back together. And then he says, to those who are aligned with the Zoe of God, the life of God, the tree of life, who have a relationship with, surrendered to, God says, I give you the authority now. Don't go... Oh, God, let your breath go into that. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Ezekiel 37, Prophesy to those dry bones. Prophesy the breath of God, the zao of God. And then we see in Acts 20 that Paul doesn't just go, Oh, God, could you please put some breath back into Eutychus? He takes the authority given him because of the divine presence, the, the zoe of God, the zoe of God, who now then with authority, not his own, but recognizing who he is in Christ, prophesies Zao, the breath of God, into Eutychus. I believe there's a twofold process that we have as the church once we're already aligned with God. But one is to understand we have to fix our eyes on the tree of life, the Zoe of God, and then receive his authority to prophesy with authority what belongs to him is now imparted to us to speak into our families, speak into our city, speak into our state, speak into our nation. Because the only way to heal the soul of a nation is for the church to awaken. The heart of a nation is the church. And if the church becomes what God calls us to be, then the world will see that we are one, one blood, one new man, one accord. That they will see there's something different about us. They're looking for help. They're looking for salvation. They're looking for deliverance. They're looking for freedom. They're looking for liberation. But they just don't know where to find it. But when they see that we are one, crossing our racial, denominational, generational lines, putting our personal preferences aside to say, Jesus, I bring it to your word. The preeminence of Christ in my life. Colossians 1 speaks of that. This says that all things are made to, through, for, and by him, the Son of God's love, which is Jesus. And it says that it's his, his desire to give that same authority to his church and through the church to the seen and unseen realm. It's our moment. It's our moment. I know fear is real, but I want to just talk for a moment the three things that I believe the Father wants to give us when everything around us is shaking. 
First thing we have to do is learn to pull down vain imaginations. That's anything lies or deceptions that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Pull down those things we keep hearing from the media. And look, it's good to be informed, but don't let that dictate to who you are. Fix your eyes on the tree of life, the Zoe of God. Pull down vain imaginations, those lies and deceptions that exalt itself against the knowledge of truth or the knowledge of God. Secondly, fix your gaze or keep your perspective on the Lord. Fix your gaze on the tree of life and not what you think you want from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And thirdly, with intentionality, we do this in our home. As many of you know, and Pastor Che and Sue prayed me through and others, in 2015, I was in the middle of being invited by four different governors to do solemn assemblies. We had done one in 2011 with Governor Perry, nearly 50,000 in Reliance Stadium, and then we did four other governors asked us to do something similar in 2015. Right after the first one with then-Governor Jindal, I was asked to come to South Carolina to be with Governor Haley at the time. And right after the first one, what happened was I like to work out at the gym. I'll be, you know, 50 for the 14th time in a couple of months. <clears throat> I still like to work out. It's a good way to beat up those weights instead of beating up on some people I want to beat up on. But I found some lumps and was diagnosed with stage 4 B-cell lymphoma, 80% aggressive. And we had to go through a process. I wanted the natural route. I eat good, did all the right things. But after much prayer and seeking the Lord, we felt like it was going to be a ministry that we did not ask for, would become a ministry nonetheless. But God did not do this to me. When I came home after finding out, sitting in a grocery store parking lot, talking to God, came home, had communion with my wife and my daughter and my mother-in-law. And I said, first of all, God did not do this to me. And secondly, and I want you to hear what I'm saying here, God did not do this to us. Secondly, if God did not do this to me, it does not belong to me. Amen. And thirdly, if it does not belong to me, it can't be about me. But it will become a ministry in a message of a larger context because if you look at the prophetic drama of the Old Testament prophets, whatever life thing they went through became a message of a larger context of the nation. So I said, we're going to turn this, what the enemy means for harm, turn it into a message for the healing of the church of our country. We're going to turn it into intercession by the grace that God gives. In fact, my wife just finished a book that just came out a few weeks ago based on what I said. God did not do this to me. We're in a moment. We have to get our perspective back on the tree of life, the Zoe of God, so we can take the authority God has given to us by that alignment and to speak the Zao, the breath of God, into our homes, into our personal lives, into our families, into our churches, into our communities. God wants to bring healing to this generation. But the answer can only be through the fixing your eyes on Jesus and taking his authority that he's already imparted to us and grants us to use when we speak the breath of God. Would you prophesy with me right now? Think about what that situation is in your life. Prophesy if it's, a, if it's you or a loved one that's going through a difficulty, maybe a physical ailment, or by the way, I'm cancer-free now. But <clears throat> everybody's story is different, but we all have eternity and a promise of a future, don't we? But I want you to just right where you are, think about what circumstance you may have been going through or going through. And realize that if you fix your eyes on Jesus, pull down those vain imaginations, and intentionally speak the Zoe life, 
Speak the breath of God. Speak the power of God upon your life. And remember that God's presence is always with you. In conclusion, it says, The antidote to fear, Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Do you believe God is God? Yes. I love what Winky Pratt used to say. God is God and I am not. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And there's a promise in that simple scripture that says, God's presence, if it's with us, he says, I am with thee, powerful, wise, and loving. God's presence is the focus we need, the tree of life. And then we hold on to his promises. I will strengthen you. I will fortify your heart against any trial or suffering. Why? Because I will help you. In other words, he will help, direct, protect, guide us, fight for us. He will uphold us. His right hand of righteousness, his faithful right hand, is a hand that can be relied upon. Jesus is Lord. We have nothing to fear. For we are people of faith. Right where you are, I want you to say, I prophesy the breath of God. I prophesy the Zao of God into my family, into my situation, into my city, into California, into my state. I prophesy the breath of God, the breath of God, the breath of God in Jesus' name. Amen. What an incredible message we just heard. I pray that as you walk through this week, you are reminded that you have the authority through Christ Jesus to prophesy the breath of God into every situation you encounter. If you are committed to pursuing the presence of God and would like to participate with us in upcoming regional and national prayer events, you can find out more by going to somebodycares.org forward slash prayer underscore events, somebodycares.org forward slash prayer underscore events, or you can follow the link in today's episode notes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, would you share it with a friend, post it to your social media, and make sure that you never miss a word in season by clicking subscribe. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.